think it's, it's a very unique experience because even explaining like the idea that the island has two different countries technically combined into one and that it's just you know there's not really a border control and you can just do the island in like 45 minutes without traffic i think it's it's, it's just a very special place you could go to st bart's anguilla we have our own little private islands off the coast of st martin it's just oh my gosh incomparable to any any childhood any any growing up story coming of age da 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 like shit our lives are movies guys like, i know movies. i know i know We are brought to you by the Renaissance Society. If you're sick of the news or looking for a fresh take on life, or maybe you just want to support a local writer, check out the Renaissance Society. It is my personal blog where I write about St. Martin local issues, global politics, financial management, personal experiences, and self-improvement. I post content twice a month, usually on Mondays. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to my main page at harshaparchani.com. That is H-A-R-S-H-A-P-A-R-C-H-A-N-I.com. See you there. Welcome to the Chatterbox with your host, Nicole Parchani. Today, I have with me the OG squad, Princess Ninja squad, introducing Rachel. Rachel, say hello to the people. Oh my god, hello. <laughs> Jakeisha, say what's up, what's up. And last but certainly not least, Alanda coming through the telephone. Um, well, you know, it's Landa Panda here with the cringiest introduction ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so happy to have you guys here. Like, it means so much to me to have my very best friends on my very first episode of my podcast. Like, I'm so excited to be here. And I'm curious, do you guys remember, like, how we all met? Learning Unlimited easily. That is how I was introduced to Harsha because I did not know Harsha before the time. Uh, yeah, Harsha, I knew you from, from like, fourth grade? Yeah, fourth grade mm -hmm. from Mont Montessori. Yeah, and Jay, we met in sixth grade as well. Alanda, I don't know if I, Alanda, I don't know if I knew you before. Well, we knew each other from before, from like Danielle and like, you know, the Dawn Beach things. True, true, true. We yeah, are yeah, mainly yeah. from school. And I feel like, Rachel, like we were, I don't know, you, because I was at Montessori before you came to that school. And like, I feel like we just clicked because our parents knew each other from back in the day. So we were like, oh, that's cool. And we're like, we'll be friends. And then, I don't know, we just been a squad ever since yeah we migrated to lu and that's where we met jakeisha who uh, i will say did not like me <laughs> in the beginning yeah, yeah. it was it was a little 
anyways moving on <laughs> looking back at it like i loved i loved high school i loved our class like our class was made up of so many dope individuals you know like different personalities so diverse but i'm also glad i'm not in there because the bureaucracy was just a bit a bit toxic a bit just a, a smidgen but hey we made it out alive made it out alive indeed and I wanted to talk to you guys about what it was like living on St. Martin because growing up on an island is like a pretty unique experience and I feel like people don't really share a lot about like what it's like living on well St. Martin especially being a unique island in it that it's divided by two countries you know has two separate government systems Um, people that live there are from all over the world speak so many different languages and that creates a pretty interesting mix of people I think it made us dope for sure so what was it like for you guys growing up on the island but I know Alenda your journey was a a little different right Oh, is it because I'm an illegal alien? alien. <laughs> is it because I'm an immigrant? Is that what you're inferring, Raja? I mean, you immigrated. It's a different journey. I'm totally open to hearing what the process was like being an immigrant to St. Martin versus, you know, the three of us that were yeah. born, She's born, born, born there. <laughs> oh, wow, guys. First of all, I'll have you know that my grandmother is from French St. Martin and she's a Kagan. So you don't know. Oop, oop, I'm still a St. Martiner. Anyway, so am I going to begin? Is this what we're doing? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Start up. How was it like immigrating? When did you even move to St. Martin? I moved to St. Martin when I was like two dogs. Like, I have no recollection of my life before that. And it was more like struggling with the fact that I wasn't born in St. Martin, but I wasn't. I didn't live in St. Lucia, and so it was a bit hard to adjust to that fact. So quite often, yeah, you know, we would joke about being, I'm an immigrant, da 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 I can't relate, this and that. But it was actually a struggle to think, like, oh, fuck, I'm not really from here, but I'm also not really from there. So Damn, did we traumatize you? No, you didn't traumatize me. I think it was a combination. Well, I mean, if you did traumatize me, you guys can pay for my therapy. I'm very much okay with that. I take um, payments and therapy. Um, but um, no, it, it was just genuinely uh, growing up in St. Martin was, was still quite similar to how you guys grew up. My my, I think I it was a privilege to grow up in St. Martin, actually, rather than St. Lucia, just because of the the amount of nationalities on one landmass, you know, St. Martin mm-hmm. is only 87 kilometers, which is 37 square miles, obviously. And um, I don't know, I just feel like it gave me a lot of perspective and understanding and intercultural, like, knowledge. Cultural that, intelligence. Like, you yeah. know, it's true, because you come up to the Netherlands and you're like, okay, you know, you go to an international school, and it's still not as international as what, what I feel in St. Martin we, we, we had the privilege of, of growing up around. For and sure. So that's how I view it. I think it's, it's a very unique experience because even explaining like the idea that the island has two different countries technically combined into one. And that it's just, you know, there's not really a border control and you can just do the island in like 45 minutes without traffic. 
think it's, it's, it's just a very special place. You could go to St. Bart's, Anguilla. We have our own little private islands off the coast of St. Martin. It's just, oh my gosh, incomparable to any any childhood, any any growing up story, coming of age, da 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 da, da like shit. Our lives are movies, guys. Like, I, know, I know, I know, I know. I guess, like, was there a difference for you, like, having family both on the Dutch and French side? Mm, there's not really much of a difference. To me, St. Martin is one island, one country, one nation, one people, you know? I don't really see borders physically. Like, obviously, we do have borders, but I don't really see them. You know, it doesn't really affect me. Yeah, our border is it's pretty much just non. It's there for the paper, but it's just non-existent, really, in just your day-to-day life. What about you, Rachel? How was it for you growing up on St. Martin? I mean, just like them, it, it was. It's. I'm grateful that I'm able to grow up in an environment where, yeah, it was very diverse. I think a lot of our diversity also came from tourism and the amount of people that we interact with on a daily, locally, and and visit visitors and all that. The things we got to do, we did take for granted in a sense, because we, we come over here and we start living like this adult life and we get back home and we're like, shit, like we never really realized, you know, like we did have the beach right there at our disposal and we did have like to be able to go here and do this and do that, you know, have a freedom to an extent. And yeah, it, it was a blessing and I'm grateful. I feel like it's interesting. It was more, it was more like slack on us. Like most, because we, we were able to like leave campus to go get things. Like people up here, they, like in high school, like I know high school, they can't do that like that. Like we had beach cleanup, I'm pretty sure they had none of that. Yeah, I mean, you have to also take into account their environment. We're on an island, so what is there to clean is like beaches and all that, you know? It's interesting because when I grew up on the island, I like I always loved, you know, St. Martin, you know, because I mean, yeah, every, you know, the business, the tourism for sure. Like my dad was a small business owner and just seeing like the markets and just how people, you know, communicate and can work together and seeing the beauty of what the good things of what diversity brings to the table. I think like people take for granted, like for us, we grew up eating food from all different cultures every day. That wasn't like weird. And it wasn't even that we were just eating their food. We were eating the best of their food. You know what I mean? Cause we had top chefs from all over the world. And for us, I feel like seeing people that didn't look like us or didn't necessarily grow up the same way we did or have family that has different religions allowed at least like when I went to the States, like I never was concerned about who I was meeting because I just saw the person. Like I was used to seeing people that weren't like me, that didn't think like me, that maybe didn't speak very Mm -hmm. good English. And as a result, it made it easier for me to move through the world because I could understand different types of people. Um, Whereas like I see peers of mine, like here in the States that they only grew up with people that look like them, that think like them, that talk like them. And you can see how it in some way cripples their ability to associate with the rest of the world. And, you know, that can be really detrimental um, to someone's ability to grow. And it's something that I didn't realize was such a big superpower about growing up there. But at the same time, it's like there were things about, you know, growing up on St. Martin that wasn't always great. And you realize like how um, 
far behind we are when you leave and you go and see what the rest of the world is doing, even in terms of just the technology that they use or the things that they take for granted that we look at as though that's the magical stuff that we will never have because of our infrastructure and the way that it, you know, things are going. And mm-hmm. I guess like, what was the biggest thing that you saw when you went abroad that you wished you had in St. Martin, but doesn't like currently exist? It is the simplest thing. Be like, you're going to say internet. No, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, public transportation oh, yes. that has a stop button, has a timetable, has designated stop signs. Holy shit. You don't have to yell across the bus and go like, hey, bus stop. Bus stop. <laughs> yo, you know the anxiety. You're like, yo, yo, yo. Is he going to stop? You're thinking through your mind. You're like, I got to say, how am I going to say it? Am I going to say bus? Please stop. Yeah. Am I going to say bus driver? Please stop. <laughs> you know, you're there like, am I going to say with a really, really, really raw accent? Yeah. Am I going to try? Well, no, like, I know these must, must stop, please? <laughs> yeah, you really got to prep yourself for the stop, right? Because otherwise, they're just going to keep going. You got to do that awkward yeah. shimmy to the front to pass the dollar or something. And then yeah. you got to, yo, excuse me. There's also not even a set price. It's kind of like what you think you should pay between a dollar to three dollars well, it's i feel yeah. like it's always between 75 cents and like two dollars or something depending on yeah you always gotta be, oh my god guys okay so the sushi king it's quite sexy that had to interrupt very quickly <laughs> just for Either context way. alanda ordered sushi just, yeah just for the, the context i ordered sushi prior to this podcast and guys i'm not disappointed the presentation is sexy I'm proud. I'm very content. I mean, I remember a time when Rachel thought sushi was the grossest ish on earth and wouldn't because even go near her. You have not been there yet. You need to you need to go there. And then you need Let to me, try one. You gotta group. get her with like the tempura. You gotta get her with a tempura shrimp. It's cooked and it no. tastes great. And or then like once the, you and then you slowly go, you know, you move. You you now, go to you know some what California to, rolls. What they need to make they for Jakisha? Then you hardly taste that is wrapped in yeah, you really it's wrapped in rice and all that. You know what they need to make for Jakisha? Like a fat rib and then just wrap that in rice and then throw some barbecue sauce on it. It's not really a sushi, but like <laughs> it's, um, it's a similar idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I love sushi all day, yeah. every day. Yeah, like, so you were saying, Alana, public transport, yeah. On to Martin. Yeah, yeah it is simple. But... A... Oh, also, um, a government that isn't too corrupt. That's also a nice one. No, that is a great That's asking one. too much. That one, you were never, it's not going to yeah. happen. Because <laughs> every time the Dutch try to come in and create some accountability, they say we're getting oppressed. So it's not going to happen. Like, it's just. Right. Right. <laughs> so let's I just. Forgot. I didn't know I was oppressed until I was being told I was oppressed the other day. Right. Day. I was like, like well, really, that's what it is. By the I'm Dutch. like, I didn't know <laughs> this was oppression. <laughs> this is what oppression right. looks this- like. Yeah, I genuinely had no idea it was the Dutch that were oppressing me and not my own government, my apologies. <laughs> right. It's funny. It's really ironic. And it's, you know, I, I totally get why they want to do decolonization, but we, we can get into that after. <laughs> it's, not, it's not in the right place. Not in the right place right now to be decolonizing. Mm-hmm. What would you change, anyway, Rachel? Sorry, guys. 
So what was a, what was a, a new no, development <laughs> that we would like to bring back? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we coming up here and how Holland does a bunch of recycling. Oh, that's sexy. The, you're right. Yeah, which became like a normal thing. And then you go back down and you're like, wait, where is the plastic bin? Why am I throwing that's everything fun. in one garbage bag? Mm-hmm. Oh, you can drink water from the tap. That's sexy. Oh, that's what... That's also a privilege. Honestly, when I went back home in December, I was like, I, I, I caught myself coming home one night, and I opened up the tap to drink from it, you know, and then I spit it out immediately. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna get dysentery and die, you know. <laughs> hey, that's the water that built your immune system, Missy. Like, <laughs> I mean, no, no. I was drinking filtered water my entire life. Sorry, not me. Is <laughs> on an island surrounded by water? This is true. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they we only use yeah desalinization. Yeah, desalinization. Yeah. Which they pump from the pond, no? No, they pump it from Point Blanche. Oh, no, um, there's the water. They were the, oh. the yeah. I'm pretty sure the place is in Point Blanche somewhere. Um, and they pump out water from the ocean, and they do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Which I mean. Maybe it's good because climate change is about to destroy the island anyway. So maybe while they suck out some water while they can. Really? Sure. What are you supposed to do with bottled water then? Are you? Who the fuck? I didn't know this. That's bullshit. That was actually a really big issue on the front side. Like they had strike and everything. That's so then showering, you just don't shower with your mouth. Like you you don't shower. but you just shouldn't brush like they wouldn't rec- they said that they wouldn't recommend you brushing the water with the salt and it. Nice. Wow. Yeah, that I don't know. So I guess a proper water system would be a good one to bring back. There's a lot of things, man. Jay, what would you change? What would be one thing you'd bring back from the states? Customer service and credit. Credit? Customer service. <laughs> We were the friendly island. We were supposed to have great customers. I'm sorry, we the island of what you want. <laughs> when I mean my customer service, I mean proper greeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. You um, ask me go for my break? You ask me leaving? Um, Miss Wood. I, I was next in line. Nah. Yeah, I, I, have, I, have, I, have, I go in front of the line. it is really bad i definitely for me i would bring back just all of america's telecommunication just everything technology is like a major i remember i was just trying to understand how our did like how our telecom sector is run and it's like really concerning the lack of knowledge within the department that's regulating the policies that unfortunately to some degree affect our ability to grow as an economy you know what i mean like if we don't have stable wi-fi like how do you expect businesses to scale to e-commerce how do you expect people to come here and work remotely you know like there's all of these things that are contingent on having like a strong digital infrastructure but then again, we don't even have a ministry that's just for telecom, which there should be. And it's sad because our people don't see they are the ones suffering because the, the leaders that they elected, um, who are the same people that I think have been in these positions since before we were even born, are not doing bare minimum. You know what I mean? Like, But uh, there's a, 
things, you know, it's not just about the technological infrastructure on St. Martin, but it's the fact that educational infrastructure is not even there. So by default, you're already, maybe it's a conspiracy theorist thought, but I genuinely think that if you don't have equal access to good public education, you're, you're keeping your population stupid. There are so many people right now who, there, there are people who are illiterate on St. Martin, and I'm sure the percentage is alarming enough to be like, why is it like that, you know? I, I genuinely think that there's a focus on, yeah, I, I genuinely think the focus of, of like education and and proper public health care is, is non-existent in St. Martin. And it also ranges from the fact, how can you have economic prosperity if you don't have educated people? And the whole reason like we suffer from the brain drain is that even once you're educated, you're told that you're overqualified. So sorry, but you have to start an entry level job and get entry level pay when in reality, your coworker, George, is probably is not as educated as you, not as well versed, but because he has seniority, he's the one who can pay more. Or he's like related to the head person. You know, oh, yeah. I, I I watched this interview like between um, Ralph Kantov and Dennis Richardson, who's former governor, and I believe he was also a former minister of justice on St. Martin. And he was saying that um, essentially, like, this is kind of where the whole kind of decolonization oppression stuff comes from in a way as well. But he was saying that when St. Martin got independence in like 10, 10, 10, the Dutch neglected their responsibility to properly trained St. Martin's government officials on how to run a country and as a result because tourism was the only aspect of like our industry that was profitable that was the only like sector that got any attention and as a result like all public service sectors like education and healthcare were neglected and that's why they're in the state that they're in today that's that's what I heard from that what I do know is that St. Martin does spend the majority of its budget on education but I just don't understand what we have to show for that and I don't think there's any data to measure high school dropout rates retention rates like how you know how kids are actually doing from year to year like even at you know where we went to high school once you finish that exam that just goes in your file it's not like anyone ever goes back and tries to fill those knowledge gaps you know what I mean it's just like oh you you barely passed that's good enough for us we're just going to keep pushing you forward. And as a result, you have like all of these kids that aren't actually prepared for college that either go abroad and struggle significantly because the education system left so many gaps in their education or they can't even afford it because let's be real, we have to pay international tuition fees even though we barely get any financial aid from the government or from the international community. And this like, is, it just sucks. This is America. Oh, I mean, yeah, if you go, if you study, yeah, if you're, if you're an international student and you're studying, like, in the U.S. or Canada, yeah. or if you were international in the Netherlands, you're right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. a lot of kids do go to the Netherlands. But even still, like, there's kids that drop out because the, you know, the Dutch system is stricter. And... To an extent, it's... What do you mean by the Dutch system is stricter? Because, like, don't, like, from what I understand, like, you guys, like, if you don't, you know, meet a certain level, you, like, get kicked out of the program. Whereas, like, in the States, you just have to retake the class. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you fail. I don't know if every college or university does that, but normally, like, in the first year, they have these things called ECTs. So, in yours, in your thing, it'd be credits. 
and you need to get a certain amount minimum in order to pass the first year to get your associate's degree, like Prokodoy's in Dutch. You only have to worry about credits for us at the end, not really like during the process. Yeah, it's just to graduate. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't really care. It's like if you want to pay the university money five, six, ten years, you know, and not get a degree, like they're not gonna stop you. <laughs> Where I got my bachelor's, they the hotel management program had that, but my program tourism didn't have that. Oh, interesting. It just depends on the program. But I don't know, Alanda, how's it by you? Nationally, in your first year, you have to achieve fifty-one out of sixty um, European credits. And after that, every it's just so people you you retain students in the first year so that they're motivated to continue through. And those who usually don't meet the fifty-one, there's either like you know personal issues, and or like you weed out like basically mm. the students, you know. I mean, and, yeah, we uh, weed out classes too. Wait, is this fifty-one yeah. year or like the first year? No. No, it's just in the first year. So you stay within the school, you know. It's, it's supposed to be a motivation factor. And Did then APs the transfer credits no. for you guys? No, 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 no. <laughs> what? Did APs no. transfer? Well, no, okay. So this is the thing. We, Rachel and I went to the University of Applied Sciences. If we were to go to just a university, I don't know how to explain the difference between the two. It's such a fine line in the Netherlands. So There's... Yeah, there's Hochschule, which is a college level, and then there's university level. Not even that that is a standard thing in terms of the level of education, because, for example, with my school, it's more advanced than what they define as a Hochschule. And it's the same thing with other universities I find in the Netherlands as well that are called University of Applied Sciences with the term college, you know, mm -hmm. because I still find the level of education you receive from these establishments that aren't quote-unquote universities are quite high. I, I yeah, think. but how they how they describe it is like universities is more theory, yeah. while Hochschule is more like, of course, theory, Lab but also... Work. Yeah, you're you're more you're doing things more. It's more like yeah. stuff as well. That's interesting. For us, it is a mix of theory and labs and projects. So it's like you kind of get a bit of everything. Um, that's just a part of your major track. You have a series of classes you have to take, um, and then you can kind of pick your concentration within like your major. And as long as you reach like the number of credits you need to graduate and you apply for graduation and they give they mail you a piece of paper thousands of dollars later yeah and you're not even sure if you're gonna get a job this is true unfortunately for me like my university um at least for i don't know other colleges in the university but at least for engineering they have career fairs and just like a lot of opportunities to talk with companies because companies recruit heavily from my university i was never thinking about work it was like my university kind of pushed it in my face and i was like oh like this is what people do and it kind of like pushed me down that path but um i know like Why in other schools they don't bring over Russia. Oh, I work at Microsoft. Yes, yes. What do I do? So I am a hardware engineer for the sensors quality team. What that means is my team essentially tests and verifies all the sensors and all Surface products across like all, yeah, all the product lines. But yeah, I'm working on the Surface Duo, which is the mobile line that Microsoft started, which is pretty dope because it's new. But see, that's what I, that's what I do. behind <laughs> Microsoft. See, I know. Like, I'm excited for when the product comes out because then I can be like, ooh, like, I actually work on that. I hope on that. What? 
since you since you have been working for Microsoft, would you consider yourself investing or being a shareholder, like a share owner of the company? I'm usually a, as part of your um, offer package. They offer sh- shares in the company, mm-hmm. and then also. Um, Every year, like you go through like your you know your review cycle, and then depending on like if you're getting promoted or if you're getting a bonus, sometimes that could be in cash or it can be in stock. So yeah, they definitely want you to be a vested you know interest in the company because then obviously you're more you have more incentive to make the company grow. And then another thing they have is because you're you work for the company, they also allow you to buy shares of the company with your salary at like a discount. But the IRS be coming for you, so don't even think that you could try to sneak away. They they get every penny that they need. <laughs> Trust me. That's what I was about to say. I was like, there's no way that that isn't conditional. Like, there's definitely. Oh yes, yeah. The IRS they don't play games. <laughs> the American version of the tax office sounds hella scary. Like the IRS here is called blasting, and that sounds like. I don't know what's worse, but like IRS just sounds like the FBI is going to show up at your door and ask for your kids in exchange for what you didn't pay because you didn't pay it. No IRS on your yeah, you want to just pay, just pay what you got to pay and just be done. Or, like, be smart, you know, just do what you got to do. There's rules, there's well, accounts, you know, figure it out. Well, you know, my mother always said something to me that I find it very important in her list of references. All you have to do in life is die and pay taxes. So, <laughs> all you have to do in life is die. And stay black. Exactly, because <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you want to live the straight and narrow life, taxes are the bare minimum, right? <laughs> I guess. But what do you guys do? Like, yeah. I told I told the people what I do. What What are you guys studying or studied? Because we do have some graduates in the room. Well, guys, I'm. Um, I also work at Microsoft. They just don't know it yet. No, um, I I have a bachelor's degree in international tourism management and then now i do a pre-masters in media and community no media and creative industries wow almost didn't know what i was studying sorry she asked what do i plan on doing with that these are questions that i cannot answer right now she can't answer she just doesn't want to tell the people them which is okay it's okay what i plan on doing with my degrees i don't know Especially during yeah, the pandemic, I can't be given that answer right now. I don't know. You can ask the universe and you shall receive. <laughs> well, currently I'm trying to get my bachelor's degree. Hashtag it's been a hustle and a struggle. Shout out to my parents. Um, but I study hospitality business management and I will be getting a bachelor's degree in business administration. Um, and right now I am searching on the the very scarce job market for an internship in public relations, marketing and communications, and or human resource management. But from what I've spoken, what, from speaking with people, I've um, I've heard human resource management will make me cry. So I'm I'm not really down for that. I prefer to not cry about my job. You know, it's already going to be a nine to five, and that's enough to cry about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, right now, I've, I've, I've uh, put myself on the job market, some may say. 
To be honest, I know it sounds kind of lame, but it's what I'm good at. I would love to be someone's personal assistant. I have fantastic organization skills that would truly be well used if I could be someone's PA. I would love to be someone's PA. And for a big company, just just I know it sounds lame, but I think it's something that I'm good at and that I would enjoy. You know, the idea that everything has a place and everything should be in that place is it makes life so much more efficient. And I feel like it's a very important way to like live life. So yeah, that's my dream job. Um, but when I, I want to work for myself, I would love to open up a consultancy agency for customer service yes. in the Caribbean. Yes, because let's. You know, I'm not even going to lie to you. I could give it 10 to 15 years right now, and the island will still not have fantastic customer service. So that's kind of in the pipeline for me, but not yet. I feel like I need to work for somebody else before I um, I work for myself. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What that's about my, you, Jay? Like, um, I currently finish my bachelor in science in biology. And I am working. I'm trying to finish up my minor in marketing right now. And then I plan to move to Miami next year to shadow a doctor, gain some experience, to hopefully bring back home a team so that we can, you know, save the lives of St. Martin instead of sending them out of the country. Feel that. Save lives with plastic surgery at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I I honestly want to bring down, like, a team of healthcare workers. Like concentrated workers, like not the general doctors, because we need that is amazing. It's plastic surgery that you want to do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of the specialized in, but I do would want to. I want to bring down a team of doctors also. That's amazing. I'm looking forward to that because yeah, I I know like when I even left, like I wanted to do biomedical engineering because of the very fact that our healthcare system is I don't even know what it is, you know, and it's really a shame because there's so many people their lives unfortunately had to end earlier than maybe they would have needed to because of the lack of like proper resources on our island, um, and it's just like unfortunate, you know. It's like our people deserve better than that. You know what I mean? Like all, all the all after everything they've been through, you know, it's like don't they do, don't they want more than that for themselves? And you would think like our leaders would want more for our people, but it seems they are content. So, well, yeah, as long as um, that more stops with them. Do you guys see yourself? I know, like, Alanda and Jay, you both said, like, eventually you would move back or, like, go to the island. Um, Rachel, do you ever see yourself moving back to St. Martin or doing, like, no. business there? Ah, uh, okay. That, that that changes things. Doing business there, possibly. Moving back, no. A negative aspect about growing up on St. Martin is is the isolation of it. It's funny because we are, we are surrounded by diversity, but only within limits. I feel like living on St. Martin, we're kind of secluded from the rest of the world. And then we come to these big places and we're like, shit, we've been missing out on so much. Once I've experienced that, and I have, to move back to St. Martin is just like, just ain't it. For me, it would be hard right now to move back to St. Martin because I would have to give up a lot um, Mm -hmm. to go back there. Like in terms of just like that job prospects, you know, like I for sure would not necessarily have maybe my salary or the benefits, you know, that I get, you know, working for Microsoft, I would have that same opportunity on St. Martin. But at the same time, it eats me out knowing that, like, St. Martin, 
could be better. You know what I mean? It like bothers me to my core that the island is missing out and is behind. And so for me, it's like, okay, maybe I can't be there right now, but at least I'm going to try my best to help the people that are there now get to where they need to be so that I can actually move back and build something there. Because, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Like, it's to take somebody. Someone's got to do the work, you know? And it's like, well, if you adults ain't going to do it, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Some people are. There are some people trying. But, I mean, sure. I feel like a lot of the people that's in the government is very resistant with change for the better. And, you know, so it makes it even more hard to. But sometimes I don't know. Because sometimes I think it's a money problem. But then I don't completely understand like how they use their money to really determine if it's a money problem. But at the same time, I feel like they also are spending money on things that they shouldn't be spending money on that could go to the actual yeah. country. I think to an extent it is a money problem in terms of like where is it going. It's also a qualification problem. There's oh, a lot of people who are working in, in jobs that don't have the qualifications that those jobs require. But how do we fix that if all the qualified people don't want to go back there? I don't know. So it's like eventually it's like someone has to give, you know, either like me or Jay or even you and Alanda, we all have degrees at some point. We are those qualified people. And I think on some level, it's like you have to create the market, you know, even if they don't want to do it. Like even if that's why I think it might take longer, like some people have to be abroad so that they can build their foundation so they can go back, you know, because you can't help someone if you can't help yourself. But. Yeah, eventually, I mean, it's either going to be like they fill these positions with foreigners that are qualified or they somehow convince the youth that are qualified to stay. But it shouldn't be foreigners because I think like we understand what it's like to live on St. Martin more than someone else that doesn't know anything about actually living there. You know, like our people. Then again, there are some jobs that you would get, you wouldn't typically get locals to do like. This is true. Um, anything with like labor and the garden, you know, these are like things that most foreign cultures do. I see your point. And then, and it's interesting. Still, this money does not stay on the island because they're sending the money to their homeland and their family, wherever they are. You know, so yeah. And it's interesting because, like, I remember, like, like at least in, like, the, the Melee um, episodes, they talk a lot about that a lot of St. Martiners have, you know, history working in other islands and sending money back to St. Martin because there was a time where St. Martin was a poverty-stricken island, worse so than it is today. And it's, like, interesting, like, now that St. Martin, on some degree, you know, is the money pot, you know, for the Caribbean and other immigrants are coming to our island for jobs, that the people that live there are now upset about that. You know, when, like you mentioned, there are many positions that a local maybe feels too entitled to work um, that an immigrant would be happy to do because for them, they're doing it for, you know, a greater cause. It's not necessarily about pride. But being a diverse country, St. Martin does have, like, its own internal tribalism issue where like you have locals that hate foreigners or hate you know certain you know demographics you know publicly say you know really rude or inappropriate things about specific cultures that maybe they don't consider to be St. Martiners I guess like for you what what do you what do you guys consider to be a St. Martiner because I know for everyone it's like a little different I don't know that's like asking a question what really defines a local in general 
And that's really hard to define, I feel, you know, because it could be like somebody who has extended family and then they move back to St. Martin. Could be a foreigner who moves to, yeah, it could be that you have a, a foreigners who have moved to St. Martin years ago and spend the rest of their life on St. Martin. Does that, does that make them a local? Are they still a foreigner? Uh, yeah, okay, I would like to, I would like to put my two cents into this conversation. And, um, Go ahead, illegal alien. <laughs> okay, first of all, I would, this, is, this is discrimination. This is the thing about Florida. Anyway, no, but um, it's funny because I think as people from the West Indies, there's a unifying element to being from a different Caribbean island, which is all great and dandy. But when it comes to like, you know, quote unquote foreigners taking your 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 jobs but they've been doing it for the past 15 20 years it's only when you don't because let's let's not lie the people of st martin are so entitled they're the arguments that they have for certain things like our government our government is too entitled and that's why they do things with whatever they're doing now trying to decolonize without even trying to you know give that idea or like place that idea in in as a popular vote or something of the sort to see what the they don't want is. your vote alanda they know what they want and it's not your opinion yeah, no. <laughs> no, it, well shit, if i had known that i guess i would have uh, voted for dictatorship or an oligarchy over a democracy I mean, wouldn't isn't I? that what I we mean, have though we pretty much have an oligarchy yes um, they just call but, themselves different but, parties but yes exactly but I want to come back to the thing, you know, I know that um, sometimes my my own dad, who has is from St. Lucia, even he gets it from people in St. Martin saying, oh, why don't you go back to your country? And sometimes the idea is that, oh, the white man is going to take our jobs. The Europeans are the ones that are taking their jobs. But inevitably, my dad is, just a, is another man from the Caribbean. He's, in my eyes, he's a local, you know. But I have this idea that, once again, going back to my first point, when you're from the Caribbean, I feel like we should be unified because we're all from small places and we're all just trying to better each other's economies, yep. you know? And exactly. we should be more dependent on each other than we are on, on larger countries because then the whole region can prosper economically. Rachel's right. Well, how do you really define a local, especially from St. Martin, you know? Because I've lived in Antigua and I've lived in San Lucia as like an adult. And nowhere near the, di- the diversity of, of the population in St. Martin, you know. It, and there's like subtle microaggressions and racism in St. Martin, for example, which is something that I never felt was right. Mm-hmm. We say like, why are you acting like a Haitian? Haitians are hardworking people, may I add. Preach. my Haitians, you know. But... I, I just think these things occur way too much when you've been living on an island that's just composed of minorities. You're a local. Like, once you, you Im- immerse yourself in the culture, you're there working a job, you have a family, you have a life, you become a local. For for some, I may even argue, of course, it's, I like to make sure that oh, as I'm in the Netherlands, I still, you know, I'm still very patriotic about being from the West Indies. But... I would consider myself a local of the Netherlands. It's it's not that I am Dutch. That's definitely not how I identify. I don't speak the language, but I I'm I feel like there's a certain tie to this country that allows me to switch from being a tourist and being someone who is just there temporarily to someone who is local. 
because yeah, well, I plan on continuing my life here for a little longer. And I mean, Harsha, it's not that you're an American, no. But do you feel that you are a local within the states now? Uh, I see what you mean when you define local as like you know, um, feeling that like a resident. Is shaking her head. Tadisha is definitely not feeling like a local in America. I definitely do see it, yeah. I definitely do feel more like, like, I mean, my ID says I'm a Washington, Washington, Washingtonian, Washingtonian. I don't know how you pronounce it. That's a thing? Yes. Like, I mean, East State, you know, I was a Michigander for four years, you know, because I had a Michigan ID. Now I have a, a Washington State ID. And I have a St. Martin ID, you know, and I have a Dutch passport, but I also have, you know, a green card, you know. So it's like there's all these different dynamics to, like, one's identity. But I still consider myself a St. Martiner first, you know, like, before anything else. And even though my parents are also immigrants to St. Martin, my mom moved to St. Martin when she was a, a young girl. My father moved, like, in his 20s from India. I'm ISA Martiner because my parents don't have, you know, lineage on the island. And I used to feel like people would question my right to claim being a St. Martiner because of the fact that my parents technically moved to the island. So there's like even dynamics there where people try to make you question your right to speak about matters on the island. But I feel like a local is anybody that genuinely cares about the well-being and the future and the growth of St. Martin. You don't have to live there necessarily to feel that way. You know, there's people that are born there that move abroad. There's people that, yeah, like you said, retire there and they wish to invest in the community. And I do think those people should be included in the community because they care about the betterment future of this island and i think as long as anyone has good intentions for the future of st martin we should be able to embrace them because again the island is made up of immigrants from the beginning you know yeah there's no need it's like i feel like it all comes back to this sense of entitlement with certain things when depending on the tone of um of that message but then again i also must say i'm the first person i get irritated with people who claim St. Martin, but don't actually know St. Martin, you know? I don't Mm -hmm. know if anybody else has it, but it's like, you know, you show up, you do, like, let's just give an example. You show up, you do a six-month internship in the country, and... And so there's this, there's a very fine line between defining someone is, who is a local and someone who's there temporarily and just enjoys the island as, like, vacation. But then again, do we consider some tourists who invest in properties in St. Martin and have, like, you know, vacation homes there and rent them out? Do we consider them locals? You know, I yeah. don't It gets cloudy very quickly. For yeah. Sure. You can and also see some people do it as, like, a trend, too. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful to be from yeah. St. Martin. It's exotic. You know, you, you're different. But, yeah. <laughs> it's like you, people who are, and, and this is also goes back to what defines a local, in which, which you really said it's a blurry, it's not just black and white. There's a lot of things that can yeah. define a local and define a St. Martin. But sometimes you see people using that they're from the islands as a, or that they have lineage from the islands mm-hmm. as a trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it makes them seem interesting. It yeah. makes them seem like, quote, unquote, exotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly.
And it's like, I don't use, you know, being from St. Martin to be exotic. Like, that is where I am from, you know? Like, I have, like, if I'm getting deported, that's where they're going to ship me, you know? Like, like I'm not, you know, like, I feel like I definitely noticed this when I came to the States is that there were people around me that, you know, weren't necessarily from the Caribbean, um, but had maybe family ties to the Caribbean that wanted to speak about the Caribbean as though they were from there. And I definitely, it's interesting because it's like I'm Indian, but I'm not from India. And so I still consider myself an Indian, but I don't think I necessarily have the same, like my opinions don't weigh as much on matters of what's going on in India, unlike someone that actually lives there and is dealing with these things, you know, every day. Um, But like, I thought it was interesting because I would see people that would claim and talk about the Caribbean in this way as though they were some expert, you know, and it like really would offend me because I mean, I love where I'm from. I'm very proud to be from the Caribbean. And so anyone that talks down about my region without completely understanding the complexities as to why the region is in the state that it's in today really gets under my skin and so like when people bath talk like even jamaica or like st martin and they talk about like oh you know the power's unstable or oh you know they don't have running water or oh this or oh that i'm like but do you you're just saying this from the outside looking in you don't completely understand why this is the way that it is and you're like sharing these opinions about a, of a region that you don't completely know to these other people who don't know anything about our region that are now going to internalize what you're saying to be like what they expect and so when they move out in the world and they encounter someone that's actually from the region they're going to bring up all of these stereotypes that you told them and project that on to someone like me and then i have to take that and then i have to hear people that question if i'm from the caribbean because i don't have an accent you know like it's things like that that i'm just like you know like i'm sick of people always like oh are you really from the caribbean you know you don't sound like it and i'm like um i'm sorry i didn't know i needed to prove my accent to you you know alanda and i have faced that if you're from the caribbean why are you white are you white <laughs> Oh my god, it was really bad because you know what? It's not even in, like in in a foreign. I get these in, these questions. It's in my own country. I get these questions. Oh, I was in San Lucia, and like you know, it is a majority black society. Never see you there. Pardon? She said it, they don't see you there. That's why. Yeah, dog. Well, it doesn't matter because what I I'm sorry, but I my parents are both San Lucians. My parents are Creole. My parents grew up in San Lucia. My parents' parents grew up like have ties. You know, it's just I don't have the accent. I'm not there, but I am well. I I know what's going on. I grew a part of the country, but that's besides the point. You know, like so back to the thing. It's like you know, I'm white and I'm in San Lucia, and I don't come from a quote unquote privileged place in St. Lucia. Like, you know, you have certain areas of the island, like much like in St. Martin, you have like the lowlands, mm. you, you have Gone Beach, you have like these places where people are like, yo, this is where people with money. And that's just, that's also just an assumption, you know? Lowlands is money, we all know that. But there, you know, like, 
there's just these assumptions tied behind it. And I had to the point where someone like didn't believe I was from St. Lucia. I had faked the ID. I had faked the address on it. And they had asked me where I live. And I told them. And they're like, okay, how many speed bumps are in front of the school? I knew how many speed bumps were in front of this place. And the, only then did they, they believe me. That's a weird you know? question like, to ask somebody. You know, it's just like, why would I go through all of that trouble to, to just say I'm... I'm from here. And I just feel like it would be weird for me to talk like the way that I would talk with like you guys, you know, with no one looking, you know, here in the States. Like to me to talk, you know, in St. Martin English would get me nowhere, you know, and it's just like a lot easier. Exactly. So it's like I just naturally don't talk that way because I know it would be a waste of my time and your time for me to just talk that way. But that doesn't mean that like I don't you know like my accent isn't there it's just you know buried right now <laughs> I think another... yeah exactly i'm speaking more you know properly you oh, know, more standard stop, stop telling people they speak white that's another thing oh, that, yeah. that's, well, that's just saying, general that, what do you mean? rachel used to call me oreo people used to call me inside out oreo so <laughs> you know the, the the words but like another stereotype and i think alanda have also paid yeah we've we've gotten the and it's like rude it's not even like oh you're not black how are you from the caribbean but they don't use it's- they use the n-word so they really they really dig it in deep with a comment like that yeah. which yeah. makes you go yeah. I, like i want to take you on but it's the ignorance is so deep <laughs> I totally. I'm it's so like far. I, I'm not I gonna do it. That you know, that and people on right. Somebody once told me um, that like I was I was trying to get away from them, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna bike home. And then they were like, you don't have a bike. You're from the Caribbean. You don't know how to ride a bike. You're from the Caribbean. Like who is I you? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. I must have taken a letter on hammocks all day. That's what I think people do think. Walk everywhere. No, but I've gotten questions. I've gotten people who've said, like, they didn't think people lived on the islands. They thought people took boats to the islands. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, I've had, have you ever told people where you're from? And then they introduce you to other people. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. They're from Jamaica. I, I've gotten that. I've had that. And that really, like, that, they would ooh. They would hear ooh. my and they're like, oh my god, are you from Jamaica? And I'm just like, no, I'm from Jamaica. And like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Jamaica. It's like, it annoys me. Like, the whole of Caribbean is only Jamaica. Or yeah. they're like, oh, she's from Puerto Rico. And I'm yeah, just like, bro, bro. That, that's, not, that's how I just have to um, explain them with some And I was like, it's 30 minutes from Puerto Rico. In the Netherlands, it kind of, for me, it makes sense when people ask me, like, oh, yo, do you know? I, plus, I live in The Hague. And for those of you that don't know, that's basically like Dutch Antilles capital in the Netherlands. Not girl, it's not Every- Rotterdam. No, well, both, both of them, both mm-hmm. of them, because a lot of people go to, I can sit down in front of one of the stations, Holland's for, and I'll definitely see at least three to four people that I know. And there's people who are like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I, I find the Dutch Caribbean in the Dutch mother country, let's say, <laughs> quote, unquote, not let's air quotations around that. You, you all decide that this is the place when you're coming from a smaller place that you're going to go get your education from, mm-hmm. you know? 
some people that's the state but if you have like access to an eu passport and it's Dutch, you're definitely going to go to school in Holland if you're from the the island, it, because that's the more affordable option usually. So when someone asks, oh, I know this and this, it's actually like at least seven times out of ten, I do know the person. So I, I think like when it happens here, I'm like, oh yeah, no, 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 I do know the person. But if it would happen in the States and they'd give me like, yo, you know this person from Grenada or St. Vincent? we just have a rolodex of every caribbean person ever and they're like oh yeah i know sheila and also like no. i have friends who have who are who are mixed who are light-skinned and they get the you're so exotic i feel and they sometimes are fetishize because they look exotic mm-hmm it's you know? true. It's really annoying. And I remember, like, when I first moved to the States, my major concern was just getting lost because I was like, I had never been to this school. I have never been to this state. I don't know where is up and where was down. What is northeast? I don't know. I don't know what weather you're supposed to wear clothes for. I'm just trying to not get lost you know because that would be the worst thing to get lost in another man's country and you just don't know anybody like it was just me and my mom you know and yeah I just remember like people were like people definitely treated me different especially within like the black community at my university because of the fact that I was not African-American and so I couldn't relate to a lot of the things that they would talk about or like things that they would do or just like um perceptions that they had I just disagreed with because like where I grew up you know like race isn't the first thing you're forced to deal with you know like it's not like you know on Saint you deal with racism because of being black at least on Saint and that's not really something you encounter you know it was just interesting because I felt like I was treated differently um because I couldn't necessarily relate to the same struggles they had been through and then even just from like the guys I feel like because I was different you know and I had curly hair and I was from an island you know that they all probably really thought was Jamaica you know and it was just like oh who is she you know but it's just like annoying because it's like how do I know that you like me for me or you're just fetishizing me you know because I'm from some foreign land but people always think I'm Ethiopian. I don't know. That's what I get all the time. Which I guess I see it. I, I see it. But I just be like, no. And like people will like question me when I tell them I'm not. They're like, are you sure? Like, I think I would know. Mm-hmm. Like, are you but sure yeah. you're not Ethiopian? No, I'm pretty fucking I'm sure that pretty I'm pretty 100% sure. I took my DNA test, you know. And it turns out I'm more Indian than anything else. Which is, I mean, I, I guess not surprising, but... No, it's not. I don't look it, you know. I'm definitely not treated like an Indian, which, I mean, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But it's annoying when you go to an Indian restaurant and they try to explain you the menu, you know. And it's like... And it's like, honey, honey. I've been eating I know the from day one. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's definitely... I think I definitely had to prove my Indianness more in America than my blackness, for sure. Because, like, Indians just don't... Even if I say, like, my name, they're like, um... What are you? Yeah, this doesn't fit <laughs> my you? image. Wait, mm-hmm. there are Indians that marry outside of their race? And these are their babies? Have you actually... Have you yeah. actually been asked that question? 
Yeah, people never believe my dad's my dad. Whoa. I just honestly, I, I, I freshman year, I just gave up because I realized that this was the path that I would be headed down if I really tried I to be involved in the community, like at least where I was going to school. So I just gave up and just lived my life and found mm-hmm. people that I, I messed with and just continued about my day. And if, you know, if people that I was friends with that were Indian that accepted me as like Indian, despite how, you know, I look on the outside, that's cool. And if they didn't, that's not my problem. That's their problem. I understand where you're coming from with the, um, like you have to prove that you're an Indian because like from the time and you like, God forbid that your father married outside of his race or his ethnicity or anything of the sort. Because when my dad got married to my mom, she wasn't an Arab and she's never been an Arab, obviously. And I remember my, my parents telling me like, yeah, you know, <laughs> they came to the hospital to see what color you were because my, my mom was half black. And it's, it's insane to me that, that that's how you're going to decide whether or not you accept me into your community. Bear in mind, I never feel... I used to want to feel so strongly attached to being an Arab, but right now all that attaches me to the Arab community is food. I have an appreciation for the culture in general, but the Caribbean Arab community is a very hard place. It's, and it's not even, you know, you don't have to be Muslim and an Arab. So I can only speak from the, the, the part of the Arab community that follows Christian beliefs, but damn, that's a hard, I don't, it's such a, like a toxic environment, which I think is also very similar to the Indian community in, in which you hear It can be hard. It can be hard. I mean, yeah. but I, I, I was going to talk about this because I'm going to have my parents on. So I'm going to talk about this with them, especially because my dad and my mom's like story of like how their relationship started and like the things that they heard from other people. Imagine <laughs> if we were all blind, you know, and like if we were to move around the world as though we were all blind, like race would never well, be an issue. No, like, just blind, even. Like, if you couldn't even see color, and, like, you couldn't see, so you couldn't see if someone was black or white or, you know, olive tone or red skin or whatever, whatever it is, would racism exist? And, frankly, I don't think it would, unless it would be voiceism, because, like, people would be racist according to someone's voice. You could be like, oh, I can tell that's a, that's a black man by his voice, so I'm going to treat him differently. Because, like, if you can't, you know, it's so stupid to me that people... Yeah. have the audacity to hate someone because of the complexion of their skin because just because of yeah. how you look on the outside does not explain who you are on the inside there's good no. and bad people in every race you know what i mean it's not the race that yeah. differentiates mm-hmm. if they're good or bad yeah they're, they're everywhere yeah, yeah. i mean like, yeah it's, 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 it's you would think it would it's, it's as simple as being like you don't hang out with somebody because you're both are white. You hang out with somebody because you like their personality. You get along. It's as yeah. simple as that. You would think. Literally that. But you have a lot of people who grow up in environments where they only they're taught see them. that. Not, not that they only see them. They're taught. They, you know, just subtle comments that their environment makes. It's just like they're taught that this race acts like this this race acts like this this one you can you can hang out with this one you can't hang out with and it's just perpetuated yeah. throughout the 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 generations and it, it's just like it's so simple because you get along with somebody based on their character yet 
you're judging people based on what your family says that you need to judge off of to not hang out yep. with them based on their color. It, 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 or it, other like, things. It could be gender. It could be religion. It could be sexual exactly. orientation. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, exactly. It's but it, it's things that are you. You know, you're not. You don't pick that shit up on your own. No, exactly. You genuinely do not. And then like, when you when you decide s- when when I was born, uh, guys, I want to be a, a Thai lady mixed with the Pacific Islands. <laughs> yeah, what it's I, not I, like you I, got I, to I, make a decision. You know, and I yeah. think people forget that. And I, I don't know. I just, I feel like at some point, though, shouldn't people be responsible for how they look at the world? Like, at some level, like, even if your environment taught you to yeah. hate a certain race, you owe it to you yourself to grow as a person. Yeah, just because, you, you know, your parents told you that, oh, X, Y, and Z, this is what makes someone successful. Or, like, oh, if you, these, the people that, you know, smoke pot or whatever, like, those are bad people. You should not be around those people. Like, at some point, you need to be able to grow up and be like, okay, do I really agree? Because, like, you know, parents tell you stuff, but half the time they don't even know, you know? So they're just, like, yeah. telling you based on what they think would keep you alive longest. But really, they don't know, you know? And so it's like you, as a person, owe it to yourself to think about stuff. Everything. Not just think about yeah, it. Yeah, not just to, to, to question things, but also to know that the shit you've learned, you can unlearn. Habits you have, you can... You can, you can undo. Exactly. For me, humility and vulnerability are two very important things for, for development and, and, like, truly developing an open mind. When you can recognize the faults in yourself, you know, then it's easier to accept the world around you and also know what you're willing to accept and tolerate, like what's your threshold. Mm. And I, um, I don't know. I just feel, I never want to be stagnant in my thought process. I, I always, even though my first reaction to certain things might be like defensive, I really want to make sure that I can also admit like, Oh, it was wrong for me to be defensive. I shouldn't have said that because I'm able to actually learn from, from this feedback. I'm actually able to take this, this, this point of improvement on perhaps maybe my attitude or my behavior, the way I'm doing something without feeling like it's, it's meant to harm me, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, it's like hard to be vulnerable. And I feel like people today don't show their vulnerabilities as much i think social media is slowly changing i think people are trying to show their imperfections um but still i think a lot of what we see is like a facade of people you know just like an outer shell of people where they're trying to look perfect to the rest of the world when it's really our humanity like you said it's all our vulnerabilities that's what makes us strong i don't i don't think it's it's hard to be vulnerable. I think being vulnerable is easy. It's how we think it will be perceived by who we're being vulnerable with. Oh, like that's, judged. I agree with Rachel. Yeah. I agree with Rachel. That's exactly it's, what I It's thinking. easy to like, it's, it's, it's so simple to just let your guard down. But You're scared but, of being judged. But you're scared of not only being judged, you're scared how it's going to be received, how it's going to go on from there. It's just there's so much unknown around okay i've just been vulnerable with you i don't know how this will go and i don't know if this is about to get really shitty you know mm. so it's like it, it's just a lot of trust after yeah. you've but become it's, vulnerable. it's also like in that that's why knowing yourself when being vulnerable is important because i think that if someone tried to to, to make me 
feel insecure about myself, I know that it's only in that moment. It doesn't define me either, that, 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 that comment or, or what they've said. How do you guys handle navigating through through sometimes your lack of confidence or, you know, whether you're overthinking, just like that whole aspect of self-confidence and, and all? So the way that, like, at least I look at it, like, when I start to doubt myself, there's a few things that I do, at least. One, I immediately, dis- like, disassociate from the voice that's doubting myself, and I'm like you're doubting me so like i make it a separate thing that's not me it's just like a voice that's trying to protect me and usually i look at that voice as my fear of failure or me fearing like messing up and other people seeing me mess up and usually when i create that dissociation between the doubt and the fear from who i am i can see like i just look at it as something to overcome it's not actually identified to me it's not who I am this is just a part of me that I need to overcome Um, because everything we want we can achieve so it's just like how do you overcome that doubt and then I usually try to create steps or I try to create a plan of some sort to allow me to accomplish whatever it is I'm afraid of Jerry how do you do it me it is pretty do you overthink a lot I do overthink I don't probably probably might I probably don't show it, but in my head a lot of shit goes on in my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I don't say anything either. Because I am a very quiet person when it comes to sharing my life. And for me I do a lot of I end up doing a lot of comparing. I even compare myself against you guys sometimes. I I often think like, you know, when I'm when I'm doing that I'm like, stop, you know. I have to for me to, to get out of the comparing in terms of achievements, I I have to stop and think like you know, every small step that I've done to get where I am is an achievement. Mm-hmm. And, and my my your chapter forty is not my my chapter three. Even it's not even it's not comparable. And exactly. so, I really try to, to to focus on like the now and not think too far ahead because thinking about the future and if I don't know and it's it's in a downward spiral kind of vibe of thoughts I, I I tend to think oh you know I get anxious about it and I don't want to feel anxious about my future so it's really taking it like Jakesha said like day by day and and not thinking about two things that haven't even happened yet like mm-hmm. if we focus on the what if we'll, we'll always be asking what if what if what if you know like yeah what if I drop dead tomorrow or not the guy, you know no, like, like whatever but but you know yeah you can't just live life in in in, in fear and yeah, fear of failure. So yeah. For me, it's just to, to try and live in the now and make sure that I I don't um, think too far ahead that it's destructive, self destructive behaviors. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. How I deal with that. Yeah, I think that's a, a real big issue that I deal with with um, overthinking definitely but also trying to stay in the present I never really notice how often I'm focusing on what's next what's next what's next until I'm sitting down I'm like what the fuck I've been focusing on already what I'm going to eat tomorrow and what I'm going to do tomorrow how I'm going to do this on Tuesday and this and this and this and not even sitting down and kind of just just being with myself and understanding like okay I need to do today I need to get through today 
And like you know, when you're doing all of that planning for the future or like reminiscing on the past or like fixating on things that happened already, you're missing out Rachel of the now. And it's crazy exactly. how we are so used to thinking about the future or living in the past that a lot of people miss out on their version of themselves right now, which is gone. It was, you know, it was here two seconds ago. And now this is a different version of me. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a, like, a, and the overthinking as well, where it's just, it's spirals. Sometimes I'm, most of the time I'm able to pull myself back and like do what Jakisha and Alanda were saying, which just, just live it day by day just try to get through what you're worried about now or what you're fearing now instead of going down all the roads of how shit might go down you know yeah, how creating you take the first step yeah exactly creating millions of scenarios of what could possibly happen when when it could not even go those ways it could go in an even better way than you think or a worse way it's learning experiences but i think that's a that's a big issue that i i trying to like tackle as well just try to calm down with the overthinking and stop spiraling and stressing over things i feel like people miss out on the future because yeah because they're so worried about yeah yeah yeah. that and also i think it's also control we i I don't know about you guys but it's like realizing that you it's okay to not have control over the outcome it's okay to not have control about how you're going to get here and here and here just focus on doing what you can do now and don't focus on things you can't control and i and that i need to remind myself sometimes of that just like you have no control of this situation so stop stressing over what Mm -hmm. you cannot you can only do do what you can do and the rest like you have to hope the best you know you have to hope everything else will work out but you can oh yeah you can only control what you can control and i know like when covid happened like i definitely had to remind myself And I know, like, I've heard some people say you shouldn't live life kind of in regret because, like, going off of that, you can only, you know, you you try to make the best decision with the information you have available. And so, like, that's how you live your life. And if things don't work out, like, you can't look back and be like, oh, maybe I should have done this or I should have done that because it's like, well, you made the best decision you could, you know, at the time. And so you can't go, like, hindsight is 2020. You can't go back and say, oh, I wish I did this differently because well you did what you could then you know and you can't hate you can't be mad at the a past version of you that you can't even go back and fix you know you have to deal with the situation at hand i need these kinds of conversations like even to do this podcast and yeah of course we have topics that we have to not solve but it 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 reminds me that oh yeah i do and i have purpose in life you know like sometimes i feel like we forget our purpose and not all of us know our purpose or let's say but it doesn't have to be your, your life purpose or whatever but it's just, this gives me purpose in life like it adds to my my character it adds mm-hmm. to, to how i feel it makes me feel better especially now because like this pandemic shit is is it's, <laughs> it's really it is neat lekkerman it is lecker. not food i don't like it and you know having this interaction makes makes the world a difference yeah Aww. well i think we should like i want to end on that because that was so beautiful oh <laughs> like that means so much and i mean you guys shaped who i am you know like i am who i am partially because i hung out with you guys you know i feel like 
Yeah. I like at the end of the day, I love you guys more than anything. You know, even like I don't see you guys every day, but I'm still like, these are my OGs. Like who? Like my bridesmaids. I already got you know three on dial. You know, like I'm already like I for me, it doesn't matter the distance. You know, or like the time. Mm-hmm. Like you guys are some of my favorite people in the world to be around. Like I grew up with you guys, and it's like you spend so much time with people. And then you leave them and you're like, oh shit, like, do they, you know, do they still fuck with me? Your existence get, like, means so much to my life, you know? Just, like, even, yeah. like, you don't have to do anything other than just exist and be in my life and talk to me. And that makes my life already worth living, you know? So it's, like, it's crazy how people, I think, sometimes forget that our purpose is also to be there for each other. And to love one another. And to love one another. But how can how can people, you know, I know Alanda, you're off the, the IG at the moment, but how can people, you know, stay in touch with you guys or like learn more about you guys and what you guys are up to? Um well, I have a Facebook, it's my name, Alanda <laughs> Solomon. Good luck finding it. I have a middle name. Um, yeah, I mean, if you guys want to take notes, I might open up my Instagram in like two months. It's Landa X Panda. I, you will not regret following it. Do that. It's a fun feed. It's definitely a fun feed. I wa- I love watching your rants from time to time. Thank you. Thank you. We do great rants. They're very informative on the page. Um, so tune in when it happens, whenever it happens. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also on Instagram. It is a. <laughs> um, I don't do rants, so go to Land Expander's page for some rants. Um, but if you want the fun light Rachel theme, you gotta go to Raw Chell. Raw underscore Chell. Don't ask me you about the it. name, okay? Raw without an underscore Chell was taken. <laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and when she says raw, it is like the rolling paper, like you know, R E W. You guys on there, it's the raw like rolling paper. <laughs> it's, like the raw, <laughs> it's like the raw like accent when Shakisha <laughs> was real hard on that Tim Martin. Well, yeah, Keisha's uh, number, Keisha's yeah. number is five two zero one six. But you don't know, you can check out Keisha X underscore N B. That's at Keisha underscore N B. For those are hearing in the back. And don't worry, I'm going to add all of these in the description so you guys can see all the spellings so you can get it right. Because, yeah, these are some amazing humans that you should definitely follow because they not only inspire me to be awesome every day, they are just, just genuinely amazing people. New episodes every third Wednesday. Follow us on Instagram at the.chatterbox.